Pastor Kurt for a short message. Well, greetings to all of you. It's uh, good to be together this evening and to see this fall. Uh, <laughs> hopefully that's not an indication of how you're feeling, a little droopy and tired, you know, kind of wanting to nod off. Um, <laughs> I wanted to just amplify on what Joshua has just read from Matthew chapter 1. And... Um, you know, the key verse there, I think we all know, is that she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people. Not just save his people, not just bring everybody to heaven, but save them from what? Their sin, right? And so it's, it's a reminder to me, to me, this is the greatest rescue mission ever, Right, And I love these movies or shows or even real-life experiences of rescue missions. I remember hearing of, um, I think we all heard about it after it happened in 2012, SEAL Team 6 went in, those pirates in Somalia, kidnapped um, Jessica Buchanan, Paul Hagen, and others. SEAL Team 6 went in and killed all nine pirates and rescued them. I think most of us, at least me, we woke up and we found out about that. And we're like, rah, that's cool, right? Um, Other situations, maybe you remember that copper mine in Chile where the 33 miners were trapped for over 60 days. It was on the news, a loop, a loop every single day. And we were reminded of the seriousness of that and how all of them were able to be rescued to safety is one, or, and there's many other examples that could be given. You can come up to me afterwards, tell me my favorite, your favorite rescue mission, uh, movie or real life thing. But those pale in comparison to what the Lord Jesus Christ came to do, to rescue a people, to save a people. You see, God created Adam and Eve in the garden. And they said, of all the trees you may eat, God said, but of that tree do not eat. And what happened? Eve's deceived by the serpent, takes the fruit, gives it to her husband. The whole human race is plunged into disaster, into depravity, into sin. And so Adam is our great, 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 great granddaddy. And yours too, right? All of our great, great grandparents, right? And they plunge humanity into sin. But God had a plan, He had a plan and the covenant of redemption from before the foundation of the world that he would send the second person of the Holy Trinity to come to be born of a virgin and to die in our place. I think it's good to remove preconceived ideas of how we grew up. My grandmother had this little manger scene there with a little, you know, about that size of a Jesus there. Is Jesus this size? He's much greater than that, right? And so, you know, remove all the preconceived ideas. So I'm not going to preach this whole passage, but just very briefly, Mary is found to be with child. Um, She's betrothed to Joseph. As you know, the betrothal uh, would be uh, upwards of a year-long, kind of a year-long engagement. It was as serious as a commitment to marriage. And then the actual legal marriage would take place. And it says here that Joseph's a righteous man. She's found to be with child, and he wants to put her away to divorce. But this angel comes and tells her 
uh, tells him um, not to do this because what has happened was according to God's perfect plan. Just think for a moment how Joseph might have felt. A righteous man, a, a faithful carpenter, working hard, betrothed to Mary, and to find out that she's with child. Think of all the thoughts that would be racing through your mind, right? But the angel comes and says, do not be afraid. Don't you love those words in Scripture? All throughout Scripture, several times, when there's divine revelation being given, do not be afraid. Mary has not been unfaithful, but the conception is of the Holy Spirit. By the way, the virgin birth is an essential doctrine to being a Christian. If you deny that, then you deny that Jesus was born of a virgin, and therefore you cannot be a Christian. Jesus would just be another son of Adam, right? If it wasn't for the virgin birth, born of a virgin emphasizes his sinlessness. It emphasizes that where Adam failed in the garden, Jesus is a second Adam where he succeeds. Even Romans, Paul tells us, for as though one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. So if you deny the virgin birth, you deny his deity, you deny his ability to be a savior for you. Charles Wesley captures this beautifully in his hymn, Hark the Herald Angels. He says this, by the way, this is, this wasn't, he didn't write it to be, uh, be a Christmas hymn. It was just, you know, based on Psalm 98, I believe. But it says, Christ the highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. You see how he captures all of those truths that we cherish. So the virgin birth leads to the substitutionary atonement of Jesus and even his resurrection, even his ascension unto God. But then look in verse 21, and I've already read it. The specific mission of Jesus was to rescue us. There was a mission to save his people. Even his very name means to save. Jesus is the same name as Joshua in the Hebrew, which means Jehovah is salvation. You shall not name him John, Peter, or anything else. You shall name him Jesus, because he is the one who will save. So Jesus came to save us. He is the second Joshua, as it were, to lead the true people of God into the true promised land. The very meaning of his name communicates our need of a Savior because we are sinners by nature. We're sinners by practice. We need a Savior. And there's a whole list of the names of Jesus throughout Scripture, and I've only captured a few here. The first and the last the Alpha and the Omega, the two, the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega, you see throughout Revelation, the Ancient of Days, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Anointed One, the Messiah. He is all of those things for us. Well, how does he do it? Well, he came to save, which means to rescue, deliver, just like SEAL Team 6 came in and destroyed the enemies and rescued, right, the innocent, as it were. 
and many. So he saves us from the guilt of our sin and its deserved punishment and condemnation. Paul writes in Ephesians, speaking of our union with Christ, in him we have redemption. It's a redemption. It's a rescue. It's a, it's a, it's a breaking of the shackles of sin. It's, it's a being bought back from the, 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 uh, the, the slave market, as it were, as we were slaves to sin, being bought back and being rescued to a real redemption that leads to what? The forgiveness of our sins. That's a beautiful thing. Released from slavery forever, but also freedom from the power of sin before we were Christians, we were enslaved. We, 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 might, we might have some external reformation. I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. But yet the power of sin is so strong within us that we can't stop that. But with the Holy Spirit dwelling in the inside, having been saved, we're able to be free from the power of sin. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And he will save who? Who? It says it right here in the text. It says, his people. There's a peculiar people that he has come to save. God is holy. He's altogether just and righteous. He can't just come and send his son to die indiscriminately for every single soul on the planet as though he could wink at sin. You see, Christ paid for the sins of his people on the cross. Those that refuse to believe and embrace Christ and to become born again, he did not die for those. It is those who are of the faith. It is those who believe. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see, the Greek word is to perceive, to even understand the kingdom of God, unless you are born again. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15, it is a trustworthy statement that Jesus Christ came into the world to die for sinners. So what we're celebrating this time of year is the incarnation. You're, you're probably dozing off now, I guess. It's drooping. Uh, the incarnation of our Lord, where it says the word became flesh. Those four words are packed full of meaning, Right? The word was with God and, and all of that, but this word comes and becomes flesh, takes on flesh to accomplish this mission. In order to, order to save us, God had to become a man. The Son assumed a genuine human nature in order to perfectly obey God's law during his entire time on this planet and to fulfill the covenant of works, to suffer and die on the cross for a vicarious atonement and to rise again victorious over Satan, sin, and death. What a beautiful thing to think about. We believe in the Holy Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Spirit, the second person of the Holy Trinity, came into this world, took on flesh. And, and, and the very story that we just read in, in Luke that, that they have been reading it is the idea that he's lied in a filthy manger no royal carpets, no traps of royalty, but this is a sign that the Savior that was told to the shepherds that the Savior will be wrapped in swaddling clothes, that was common in the first century, but that he's laid in a manger? That was the sign. That's an amazing thing. What greater blessing do we have of God dwelling with his people? 
Do you know Jesus Christ tonight? Do you know the Savior? Well, I don't want to make that commitment. Well, I don't want to leave my lifestyle. I don't want to do that. All the excuses, are the thousand excuses that we don't have time to consider. But you need to understand God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. Okay, picture it this way. We all know the Titanic story. The Titanic is sinking. You're in the cold Atlantic Ocean. There is rescue boats that are coming, right? Everybody's seen the movie, I'm sure. Rescue boats around and know the story. And you have a whistle. Would you just throw the whistle aside? Would you just say, I don't need the whistle? I can get by on my own as you freeze to death? Or would you blow that whistle incessantly calling out to the rescue boat? Well, the same is true with coming to Christ. It's calling out. God, please forgive me. I'm a wretched sinner. I've sinned before you. I recognize that. I want to trust in Christ. Help me. Hear my whistle of distress even now and rescue me. That's so hard. It's a simple message, but you know why it's so hard? Because you have to humble yourself. You have to admit that, yeah, I'm a sinner. I mean, think of just even today and the ways that you have sinned before a holy God. But if you come to him, you blow that whistle, a beautiful rescue mission. That's what he's come to do. Blow the whistle and come to Christ. Amen. We're going to sing now, if you'll take your program. And it is, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And we'll sing all four verses.